Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 33. Wow, life is busy, isn't it? Thank God for the rain. We need the rain. He gives it to us. All right. Jeremiah 33. Verse 19. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, If you can break my covenant of the day, and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. Moreover the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Considerest thou not what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord had chosen, he hath even cast them off, Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with the day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing, Lord, to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Okay, we begin our last lessons, plural, on the eternal states. Say with me, the eternal states. You know, I'm talking about the United States of America. I'm not talking about that. Okay, I'm talking about the eternal state. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to be dealing with the doctrine of eternal states. Getting into eternal things now. So we're moving into the final lessons in theology. It's been very challenging for me. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. Uh, I know I've learned a lot in studying uh, the various doctrines of the Bible. Amen. But anyway, this morning we start the final lessons, and it is the eternal states. Time. Time in eternity. Time is probation. Time is probation. It's where God has placed man on this earth, and we are in time, and we are limited by time, and the time we have on this earth is a probationary period of time. Amen? Eternity takes us to reward. So first of all, what God has done is He's put every human being on planet earth and He's given us, every one of us, from birth to death or from birth to the rapture, depending on which happens first. He's given every one of us Myself, you, everybody that lives and has ever lived, 
was placed on this planet with a probation. And that probation is a time when man is tested. And what we do with this probationary period of time determines what happens to us in eternity, our destiny, number one, and the reward that comes to us. So first there's probation for man called time. Then there is reward which is eternal. Does that make sense to you? Okay? So what we have is those who respond to God's grace and obey Him will be rewarded in heaven. Those who fully resist the grace of God do and do their own will and serve Satan will be eternally punished in hell, Satan's dwelling place. Okay? So, we have to respond while in time, uh, while we're on probation uh, to God's grace. If we do not, we will not be in God's place, heaven. We will be in Satan's place, hell. Eternal destinies then are settled here in time. So, once a person dies, there's no changing it. What you do, what I do here in time, in this probationary period that God has given us, determines our eternal destiny. So, once your probation is over, once that time of testing is over, what you and I have done with that, there's nothing that you can do to change it. If, because when you go into eternity, then you're dealing with reward. Now, reward doesn't necessarily mean a good thing. Because if you're, if you have resisted, fully resisted the grace of God, uh, while you're on earth in your probationary period of time, then you'll be rewarded with a judgment. And that judgment is hell. Okay? So, it is important for us to understand that while we're on planet earth, that we've been placed here by God and we're on probation, every one of us. And what we do with the grace of God, the message of God's Word, what we do with it determines our destiny and our reward in eternity. So, if I resist that grace and mercy of God, I will be in Satan's place. If I respond to the grace and mercy of God, then I will be in God's place in heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? So do I. So when you talk about then probation, probation deals with time. Reward deals with eternity. And what we do in probation determines our reward. Does that make sense to you? God is eternal. He is not limited by time. Let's go to Psalm 90. He is not limited by time. He is eternal. No beginning or ending of days. Psalm 90, verses, verse, I'll just start with verse 1. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. So we have from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Verse 4, For a thousand years in Thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as for a watch in the night. So again, a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday. And in the New Testament it says, one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. So when you talk about God, God is eternal. He has always existed without beginning 
or ending of days. We understand that correctly? Now, in Exodus 3, verses 14 through 15, God appears to Moses in the burning bush, and He says, I am that I am. Hebrew, Eye, Esher, Eye. I am that I am. When it says, I am that I am, He's talking about being the eternal God. Okay? He's eternal. Now, man, though, is subject to time and space. But he was made, this is important, made for eternity. So every one of us had a beginning in time. So we're not eternal. We had a beginning in time, but we were made for eternity. So once we get beyond this time or probationary period of life on earth, then we continue to exist forever and ever and ever, either in you know eternal bliss or eternal judgment. So, again, man is subject to time. Unlike God, he's not subject to time. He's eternal. But he has been made for or prepared for eternity. So it does matter how we live on this, on this earth. Now... Man has a beginning, but will exist eternally. Okay. Uh, Brother Dice taught us this. Now, when you get into definition of terms, it's sometimes uh, not always, you can't always apply it to every context of Scripture, every word in the Scripture. But this is what he said. He said eternity is different from everlasting. He taught us eternity means without beginning or ending of days. He said everlasting is you have a beginning, but you are everlasting. So that's the difference between eternity and everlasting. Eternity is without beginning or ending of days. Everlasting is you have a beginning in days, but you go on forever and ever. So God is eternal, but man is everlasting. You had a beginning, but you'll spend eternity somewhere. Okay? And your probationary period of time on the earth determines that. Now, when we look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, man was placed, first of all, in probation in the garden. Genesis chapter 2, 17. Now, I'm not going to read all the verses, but Genesis 2, 17 through 3, Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Uh, Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. They are tested. They are put on probation. Okay? And uh, the test would, would be, will they obey the Lord? Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Okay? So God <clears throat> created man. He... Now he's placed in uh, the earth, time and space. He's put in the Garden of Eden, but he's on probation. And uh, so what is he going to do with this test when he's put in this probationary period of time? Because God is requiring of him something. It's a simple command. It is to love God and to obey Him. So what is man going to do when he's put in that garden and then in this probationary period of time, will he obey God or not? 
Well, we know that he failed. Genesis chapter 3. Okay? But then God gave him grace to repent and be restored by sacrifice. You with me so far? Okay. So probation, the probation period is called time. It is a lifespan from birth to death. We don't know how long this space is. At death, probation is ended. Okay? His eternal state and destiny are sealed and unchanged. So it's very important that we understand uh, that we only have a short amount of time on the earth and we don't know how long that is. Okay, eternity takes us into rewarding. 2 Corinthians 3.10, Romans 14 and verse 10. Now, y'all are going to have to read, write these down and read them later. I don't have time to read all of these this morning, okay? So again, eternity deals with rewarding. What a person is, is the character. So, in eternity, we will be judged based on character, who we are. And also in eternity, what we did, what a person does, will determine reward. That's called works. So what a person is, character, that determines eternal, the eternal state and destiny, the character of the person. What the person does, works, is rewarded. All right? Now, in, in this probationary period of time that man has, um, there were different times. They were called dispensations. You with me here? Okay. God has one plan. He doesn't have two plans. He's got one plan. But in that one plan of sal for salvation, there are many what is called dispensations of time. Now, a dispensation is a period of time. We remember, we're dealing with probation. We're dealing with time. Um, so then God, within that probationary period of time, has set up dispensations. Now, what is a dispensation? Anybody have any idea? Well, this is something that you learned in teaching... Search for truth. Okay? When you go out there and you teach search for truth to people out there uh, trying to win them to the Lord, this is what you're teaching them. You're teaching them through the dispensations in search for truth. Okay. A dispensation then is a period of time. Now that's, that's kind of a misnomer, but we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But let me give you the definition of a dispensation so you understand. Because when you're teaching your home Bible studies, you have to know the definition of dispensation. Okay? Because that's what you are teaching them in the home Bible study course. So you sit down and you say, we're going to talk about the dispensation of innocence. We're going to talk about the dispensation of conscience. We're going to talk about, you know, um, the dispensation, let's say, of the law and so on. We'll go through all of these in just a moment. But if you don't know the definition of a dispensation, and you're trying to teach them, they're just going to look at you. and say, dispensation. Well, what is a dispensation, first of all? It's a period of time in which God deals with man according to some specific revelation of His will. Okay? Let me say that again. A dispensation is a period of time in which God deals with man 
according to some specific revelation of his will. So in that, that time frame, he tells man what is required of him. If man obeys that plan in that time, in that covenant frame, then he will be saved. If he disobeys that plan, he will be judged. So once again, a dispensation is a period of time in which God deals with man according to some specific revelation of his will and it's followed by judgment. Okay? Reward on the righteous, salvation, and judgment upon those that don't obey that plan. Do you get that? Okay. Now, also, now this is, let me give you an expanded definition for dispensation. Okay? And this time I'm going to leave the word time out. Okay? Not that that's inaccurate, but I'm going to leave that word time out so that when we talk about a dispensation, I don't want you to just think about a time period. Alright? Even though we defined it as a period of time in which God deals with man according to some specific revelation of His will, and then after that follows the judgment. I don't want you to think in your mind when we talk about dispensations or when you're teaching your Bible study course about time periods. Because a dispensation is more than a time period. Alright? Then what is it? Well, it has to do with uh, basically God's dealing with man under their respective covenant. Okay? Each is closed with judgments on the wicked and reward on the righteous. Does everybody understand that? Okay? So let me go through this. Let me give you the information again. Dispensation, because we're dealing with time and the probation for man, remember this. There's only one plan of God. But these different dispensations, these different times that God is working with man are in covenants. Okay? So anyway... A period of time in which God deals with man according to some specific revelation of His will, followed by judgment. If a man obeys it, he's saved. If not, he's lost. But it is not an age of time. The focus shouldn't be on the age of time. An age of time. But it, the focus is upon administration because the word dispensation literally means an administration of a household or a state or a stewardship. 1 Corinthians 9.17 Ephesians 1.10 Ephesians 3.2 Colossians 1.25 Luke 16.1-4 This is the way the apostles use that word dispensation in the New Testament. It has to do with an administration. It has to do with the administration of a household. Okay? Does that make sense? So it's more than just a period of time. It is a period of time, obviously, because when you talk about probation for man, you're dealing with time. But it's more than that. So don't think about dispensation as just periods of time. It is when God is dealing with man according to some specific revelation of His will in relationship to covenants, to His covenants that He makes with man. Which simply means this, is that God has one plan for salvation, but His methods in dealing with man uh, would be seen in his, his various methods would be called dispensations or covenants. 
See, God has different methods by which He deals with man, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, up to the Kingdom Age. Different dispensations and different covenants in which God is dealing with man, but there's only one plan. Do you understand that? So within that one plan of God, He dealt with man in different methods. Those are called dispensations or covenants. Okay, you with me? Very important for you to get this. Alright, now. Then what is a covenant? Because you cannot separate... And everybody here that's interested in teaching the Bible, you need to know this. You cannot separate the dispensations, okay, that God has given to man from covenants. Dispensations are connected to His covenants. And we're going to go through those dispensations with you this morning. And we're going to do the best we can in a short period of time to explain how the dispensations work together and what covenant. Okay, you have a dispensation of innocence. Well, what was the covenant of the dispensation of innocence? You see what I'm saying? Because you can't separate the dispensation from the covenant. All right. Well, the first one we'll talk about is the dispensation of innocence, but it's the Edenic, Edenic covenant or the covenant made in Eden by God. So the first dispensation is connected to that covenant called the Edenic covenant. Does that make sense? Let me repeat myself because I don't want to confuse you. God has one plan for salvation but many methods in dealing with man in that one plan of salvation. And those methods are dispensations and covenants. Does everybody sort of understand? Now, what is a covenant then? Then, it, Well, a dispensation is that period of time in which God, you know, uh, deals with man according to some specific revelation of His will. Specifically, let me give it to you again is God's dealing with man under their respective covenant. Did you catch that? It's God's dealing with man according to their specific or uh, particular covenant. This is a little complicated. Then what is a covenant then? A covenant is an agreement between two parties. The word covenant is, it means to cut or to cut covenant. Now listen, this is interesting. What is the difference then between a testament and a covenant? See, some people say, well, a testament is the same thing as a covenant. The difference is a testament, there must be death to enforce a testament. There must be the death of a sacrifice to enforce or bring about a testament. But a covenant, an agreement between two parties, does not necessarily mean that there is the death of, of anything. Okay? A testament requires the death of a sacrifice. A covenant, though, an agreement between two parties, does not require the death of a sacrifice. So that's the difference. So now you know the difference between a dispensation, uh, a testament, and a covenant. Covenant, again, let me de define it for you, means an agreement between two parties. And it's not always based on a sacrifice. The agreement. Okay? Testament, however, is 
based on something that has died. The death of the testator is what brings in forth, in force the testament. Okay, I feel like I'm just doing my best here. Alright? So a covenant then is an agreement between God and man. It means to cut covenant. It means to bind together. Now, the covenants that God made with man, some of them are conditional. Some of them are unconditional. The conditional covenants are based on or established. They depend on, let me put it this way, they depend on the response of man. A conditional covenant depends on the response of man. So even though God, you know, has set this covenant up, if it's conditional, it depends on my response. Unconditional covenants are covenants that are based on God alone. There, there's no condition with them. God says, I'm going to do this without the response. It doesn't matter what the response of the person is. This is what I'm going to do. Okay? Now, when you read a conditional covenant, you're going to hear words in the Bible like, if you will obey. That's it. If. That makes it conditional. When you're reading an a unconditional covenant, God says, I will. So, if you will is conditional. When God says, I will... That's unconditional. An un unconditional covenant. But here's where it gets tricky. Unconditional covenants where God says, I will have within them conditional blessings that's determined by and depends on the response of the person. So let me say that again. Unconditional covenants is when God says, I will but within even the unconditional covenants, there is conditional blessings that are based upon the response of the person. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Alright. So now you know what a dispensation is. Now you know what a covenant is. Now you know what a testament is. You ready? The, this is the way that God has dealt with man in His probationary period of time within that one plan of salvation. So, let's go on. Let's look at it. The, uh, the first one. Now, I've got seven I'm going to go over with you this morning. And that's what the lesson is going to consist of. I was looking through um, some of my response papers. Years ago, I took a course, Indiana Bible College. And on the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, a college course. And I did these research papers, response papers for that course. Interesting enough, Brother David S. Norris was the one that graded these. And um, I have a book by him. It's called I Am on the Oneness of God. He's a tremendous theologian, by the way. Uh, he's got his Ph.D. now. So, anyway, I... It was interesting that he, I think it's the same one, Brother David S. Norris, that graded this. And when I wrote on this, uh, on the covenants, the first covenant, you know, after we explained what the covenant was, you can see he's got red all over it, you know. He didn't like my punctuation and my paragraphing. 
which is true. I'm not good at paragraphing and punctuating and all of that, you know. But um, after I, we define the covenants, you know, on the paper, a covenant is an agreement between two parties. There are two kinds of covenants in the Bible, conditional, unconditional. A conditional covenant may be dissolved if the conditions are not met, whereas an unconditional covenant will be fulfilled depending on the one making the covenant alone where it's fulfilled. It is a covenant with no if attached to it. So anyway, so on forth. Um, the first covenant that I put down in this paper is not the first one that I put down in teaching this morning. The first one I put down in the paper was called the covenant of creation. Okay? Now, in the covenant of creation, then, if creation is agreement between two parties, Brother David S. Norris asked me this question on this covenant of creation. And the question he asked me was, uh, with whom did God make this covenant? Because remember the definition, we start out with a definition of terms, and a covenant is an agreement between two parties. Well, if creation is a covenant, then if a covenant is an agreement between two parties, then who did God make the covenant with? Well, that's interesting, because the Bible is very clear in Je Jeremiah, where we read in Jeremiah 33, that God talked about a covenant of day, so on and so forth. So there, there seems to be a covenant related to creation based on those scriptures. But as to who did God make that covenant with, because remember, it's agreement between two parties. The only answer I could give him, and I didn't respond to it because this is distance learning, um, would be God made it with himself. But then we have an agreement between two parties. So that gets a little tricky when you're defining terms. But anyway, because the Bible talks about a covenant with the day and a covenant with the night, so on and so forth in Jeremiah 33, it, it could be that we have a covenant of creation within the Bible. As to who may, he made that covenant with, maybe, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the answer to that. Okay, that's the question he asked me. Uh, but, anyway, from there, uh, the next one, which would be the Edenic Covenant. Now, I am not going to give you all of this information. I don't have time this morning. But this breaks down from the Bible the covenant that God made with man in Eden. Okay? And it comes right out of the Bible. This is not something that man makes up. This is, this is found right in the Bible. Okay, the first covenant then that God made with man in his probationary period of time, was in the Garden of Eden. The dispensation is called innocence because man was created in a state of being innocent. Okay? Now, he was not holy. If he had succeeded in not yielding to temptation and taking the fruit of the tree and disobeying God, then he would have moved from innocence to holiness or to a holy state. Okay? So he was created in innocence with the capability of disobedience. He disobeyed the Lord. So anyway, the reason why the first dispensation is called innocence is because man was created in a state of innocence. The covenant that was made 
in that state of innocence. Because remember, you can't separate the dispensation from the covenant. That covenant that God dealt with man was called the covenant that He made with Eden. In Eden. Okay, let's go there and look at this one. This one here, dispensation of innocence. What is a dispensation? Break it down, simplify it. It's God dealing with man under their respective covenant. God dealing with man under their respective covenant. Okay? So, first dispensation is innocence. The covenant is Eden. It's found in Genesis 1. And I started with verse 26. Look at it. Genesis 1, 26 through 30. The handicap you have when you do distance learning is you don't have access to the instructor. You know, so you do the papers and you send it in, they grade it, and you don't have the ability to talk to them. And I never got a chance to talk to him. Uh, obviously, I needed his help. But anyway, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Are you with me? So he created man, put him in the garden, right? In a state of innocence. Here's the covenant that he makes with man. God blessed them. Here's the covenant. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. Okay? Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden, to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Those verses right there that I just read to you, particularly beginning with verse 28 through verse 30, and Genesis 2, 15 and 16, is the covenant that God made with Adam in the garden of Eden. Okay, you with me? So obviously, he's revealed to man uh, uh, something connected to his given a revelation to man, something that is dispensational. Okay, He's revealed to man what his will is for man. If man obeys it, he'll be saved. If he disobeys it, he'll be lost 
Does that make sense? Okay? So he's created in a perfect state. He's created in a state of innocence, and God makes a covenant with him, which is called by theologians the covenant, the Edenic covenant, or the covenant that God made with man in Eden, in the state of innocence. So he was created perfect, in a perfect state. He was created and put in a perfect situation in the Garden of Eden. A perfect environment, a perfect situation, and a perfect state, but he failed because he violated the covenant or the requirement that God had with man in that dispensation called innocence. Now, from that time forward, God has gone through these epics of time called dispensations and covenants that he's given with man to restore man back to his original purpose. With me? Okay. So eventually God will bring man back to that perfect state in a perfect situation, in a perfect environment called the New Jerusalem. That's God's plan. All right, praise the Lord. So anybody out there that's teaching Bible studies, this is going to be invaluable information to you because you will explain to them uh, that first covenant which we're teaching this morning if you bypass the creation, the creation covenant. The first one is the dispensation of innocence and it is conditional and it's connected to the covenant that God made with man in Eden. Perfect environment. It's characterized by innocence. Genesis 1, 26-25. The test of obedience. Alright? Under that period of probation. And what was the test? They were forbidden to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they failed that test. So judgment, what was the judgment? They were put out of the garden. Revelation 2, 7, 22, 2, and verse 14, that tree of life will be given back to the overcomer. Alright? The tree of eternal life through obedience. Okay, so basically, that is the dispensation of innocence and the Edenic covenant. And obviously, like I said, I'm not going to go through here and give you all these details of these covenants, but just real briefly, man was, was to reproduce himself to make more covenant people for God to glorify God. He was to administer the earth. He was to have dominion, ruling under God, bringing everything under subjection to God's will. Man was to occupy, work, and keep, which means to guard or protect from a possible enemy. So right out, right off, we see the enemy is there. So God told him to keep him protected. And then man shows his dominion over the animals by giving them names, so on and so forth. Okay, so praise the Lord. The next one is the dispensation of conscience. Now, man was created by God with a conscience. You see it? Innocence. Right here. First, dispensation. Innocence. The covenant Eden, Edenic. That's why you have this. They're connected. The next one is called conscience. Alright? Man was created with a conscience, but when he sinned against God, the conscience started operating. So look at Genesis chapter 3. Verse 5. The serpent is speaking. Here, 
He says, For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. Ye shall be as God's what? Knowing good and evil. So conscience means to know oneself, literally. But conscience is the knowing or the discernment between good and evil. Man was created with a conscience, but it started operating after he fell, after he sinned against God. Because now he has a knowledge, a working knowledge of good and evil. Whereas before he fell, you know, uh, he didn't have this knowledge of good and evil. But now he's fallen, so he's got a knowledge of good and evil. And that's why it's called conscience. So it started working. The conscience started working uh, when man fell. Okay? So we see it is the conscious dispensation, Genesis 3.8 and also verse 23. But it is the Adamic, Adamic covenant, which is simply the covenant of Adam. All right? Genesis 3, 14 through 19 is the covenant. That's where it's given. So let's look at it. The dispensation of conscience, conscience, Genesis 3, 8, and Genesis 3, 23. The covenant of Adam, Genesis 3, 14 uh, through 19. Let's look at it. This is the covenant. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. You see that? So within this covenant, called the Adamic covenant, we have a curse and a blessing, or a curse and a promise. So in that covenant we have the curse, number one, uh, on the serpent. Okay? Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. So on and so forth. Alright? Verse 15. The promise. I'll put in me between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Alright? Verse 16. Part of that covenant. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and at dust shalt thou return. Okay? So that's the covenant of Adam. Without getting into every detail, in that covenant, with the fall of man, God fulfills His word, demonstrating His authority by judging. Okay? Satan is cursed. The woman is judged by multiplied conception, maternal sorrow, Man would seek to dominate her, and in turn she would try to control him. The man is judged by hard labor for his food, sorrow, sickness, and fear. The creation is cursed, thorns and thistles, and all things make uh, cultivating uh, difficult. So God gives the promise of a Savior, Genesis 3.15, 
who would restore by his death, burial, and resurrection what was lost. Man would then be brought out of Satan's family, authority, and kingdom back into the family, authority, and kingdom of God, alive unto God spiritually and with the promise of a resurrection and glorified body. God is now moving by His covenants to redeem the situation. The covenants with man is God's way of getting us back to Him and to what He had intended for us to do and be. Ultimately, He is the fulfillment of the covenant. Isaiah says He is the covenant. Isaiah 42.6 He gets those who will enter those um, He gets those who will enter into covenant with Him back. Okay? So that's the covenant with Adam. Alright? Genesis 3 uh, 14 through 19. So we have the dispensation of conscience at the moment of sin. It came into operation to know what is good and evil. Romans 2, 14 through 15, it was violated, or the law of conscience was violated. And so then what was the judgment? If the judgment of, this, of innocence, if these dispensations end in judgment, it was the expulsion from the garden. What is the judgment that came on man violating the law of conscience? It was the judgment of the flood. Okay? The judgment of the flood. Number three, the third dispensation is human government. So after the flood, then God, Noah comes out of the ark, offers a sacrifice unto the Lord. He's got three sons and three daughter-in-laws and his wife. They come out on the earth. It's a cleansed earth. It's been washed by water of all sin and wickedness. And so he steps out of the ark. And at that point, then God makes a covenant with man in, in a dispensation a period of time, which is called human government. He then gives man the authority to govern. And in God giving man the authority to govern this earth, he, he gave man the ability to judge murderers. It's punishable by death. And that was never abolished. Never. Okay? So, in this uh, dispensation called human government, we have an unconditional covenant it's called the covenant of Noah. Let me give you the, the chapters. Genesis 8 through 9. God entrusted man with governmental authority. Number one, execute murderers, which was never abolished. And the details of that covenant within human government, that Noah, covenant with Noah, again, this was an unconditional covenant, by the way, is found in 8.20 through 9.17. Okay, just real quickly save time. You'll find it right in the Bible, right in the Scripture. But the covenant with Noah eight twenty one, God said that He would not keep destroying by a flood. Okay? God says in eight twenty two that while the earth remains in order to preserve the human race there would be seed time and harvest. God said man is to restart reproducing the race. 9-1. Genesis 9-1. Man is given dominion again upon the animal kingdom. The fear of man is given to preserve the new race of man, which is the, the animals are afraid of man. 
verse five, uh, number five, man is also allowed to eat meat, but not blood, which was a little bit different now because before this time, man only ate vegetation, as far as I know. But now God allows man to eat meat, but not the blood in the meat. Okay, that's a part of the covenant with Noah. Alright, so uh, man is allowed to eat meat, but not blood. Genesis 9, 3 through 4. The death penalty is given for murder. To murder a man who is in the image of God is touching God. Man is sacred to God. 9, 5 through 6. The sign of the covenant is the rainbow. God giving the promise to us that when we see it, we know He remembers His covenant. Genesis 9, 8 through 9. God in His grace took further steps to preserve the new race. God then shows, shows us to keep uh, our eyes on Shem. Through Him, the next covenant would be given. 9.26. Okay? So that's real basic. That's real basic, the covenant made with Noah. Now that covenant that was made with Noah, human government, continues all the way to the re 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 uh, renovation of the new heavens and the new earth. Okay? So we're still in that covenant. Now, when you talk about dispensationally, when do we have the judgment? Human government is here. It fails. Man fails to govern the earth like he should. And so God judges. He comes down and judges. When he does, it's called the judgment of the Tower of Babel. That's Genesis 10 and 11. So we have the failure of Man governed the earth like he should. So the judgment of the Tower of Babel. When God scatters the people. Okay? With me? And that again has uh, the dispensation of human government and within it the covenant of Noah. Now by the way, for your notes sake, going back to the second dispensation we covered called conscience and the Adamic covenant even though the judgment of the flood took place as a result of the failure of man concerning the law of conscience, obviously we still have a conscience that still works. So that uh, dispensation of conscience, even though it had judgment following the failure, goes all the way to the renovation of the earth by fire as well. Okay? Right, the conscience will still be in operation all the way up to that point. Does that make sense? So human government, even though there was judgment upon the tower because of man's failure to govern the earth, the uh, unconditional covenant with Noah goes all the way to the renovation of the new heavens and new earth. That's how long it lasts. So we're still under human government right now. We're still under that covenant, that dispensation, okay? Now, just bear with me. Now, you might not have a problem, but my mind's going a lot of different directions here. Uh, so do you understand human government, the dispensation of human government, and the unconditional covenant with Noah? Okay. The fourth dispensation is the dispensation called Promise. Genesis 12.1 is connected to, again, as all the others, a covenant. 
And that covenant is called the covenant that God made with Abraham or the Abrahamic covenant. So the dispensation of promise, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12. Let's go there. All right, so we have the failure of man in government, judgment of God in the Tower of Babel, but then God chooses one man out of Earl of the Chaldees. His name is Abraham. And God is going to make from that one man, Abraham, He's going to enter a covenant with that man, and that man is going, the offspring will be a nation, and it will be God's nation. It's called the nation of Israel. So the dispensation of promise, 12.1, the Abrahamic covenant. All right, let's look at it. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, obviously this is after the Tower of Babel judgment, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. So he's revealing his will to man, correct? I will make of thee a great nation. It's that promise. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God comes down there in this dispensation of promise. He makes a promise to Abraham. Uh, the covenant stipulations are given here in the passage as to what God requires of Abraham and what God will do with Abraham. This covenant with Abraham is unconditional because God says, this is what I will do. Now, within that covenant that God made with Abraham, and I'll give you specifics in just a moment, there are conditional blessings. But the covenant is unconditional because God said, I will do this. Okay? In the dispensation of promise, the promise made to Abraham, which would be known as the Abrahamic covenant, um, you need to understand that there's other covenants that are connected to that covenant, which are expansions. Okay? One of them is called a, a, by theologians a Palestinian covenant, which deals with the land. Okay? Now, the covenant of Abraham, let me give you that one first. What is in the covenant of Abraham? Well, he call, there's the call of Abraham, and we have a new nation is going to be set up the promises then God made with Abraham include the Abrahamic covenant and the promises included is a seed, a land, and blessings. National or natural and spiritual. And the details of, the, of these covenant with Abraham are given from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to Genesis chapter 50. Okay, you with me? That's the details. It's very large. Okay. Again, this covenant of Abraham deals with the seed, land, and blessings. We read it to you in Genesis 12 there. Uh, so, the promises that God made with Abraham include that covenant. Now, when we deal with the covenant that God made with Abraham, there is a connecting to the land, because remember the covenant includes the land, a promise of land, seed, land, and blessing, right? 
in connection to that covenant with Abraham, there is an expanding and further explanation of that covenant, and that's called the Palestinian covenant. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So God expands the Abrahamic covenant after being captured 430 years. It is their land. God says, yes, the covenant is still good. He expands it. Deuteronomy 30. Your fathers possess it. Yes, and I will keep my promises. You will possess it. The covenant he made with Abraham is unconditional. They will possess their land. But because of their disobedience, they would not enjoy the land. Ten tribes would be taken captive, occurring in 721 B.C. Then the Babylonian captivity, Judah and Benjamin. Then in 70 A.D., they are scattered out of their land until 1917 when they would repent. He would put them back in their land. They are now in their land. It is unconditional. They are in their land. Ezekiel 16, 60-62 shows that the Palestinian covenant, which I really don't like that term Palestinian because it's really not a, not a Palestine, but anyway, it deals with the land for, for Israel, shows that the Palestinian covenant is an everlasting covenant. The only conditional element is the time and the when. The contents of the covenant are as follows. Deuteronomy 31 through 10 promises the return of the Lord following the repentance of the people, promises the regathering of the people from among the nations and their restoration to their own land at the return of the Messiah, promises the conversion of Israel, promises judgment on the nations that persecuted Israel as stated in the covenant with Abraham, and promises great blessing and prosperity for Israel. Okay? So you can see how God just expanded that covenant uh, that He made with Abraham. But that Palestinian covenant is called, which is what it's called by theologians, uh, expands the covenant that he made with Abraham concerning the land. Now, there's another covenant that also God gave, which is going to expand his promise made to Abraham concerning the seed. Because remember we said the promise of the Abraham covenant is a land, a seed, and blessings, Correct? So the Davidic covenant then expands this promise made to Abraham concerning the seed. 2 Samuel 7, 12-16 The seed of Abraham would be found in the family of David. The seed of David is going to sit on an earthly literal throne in the land. Some try to say that this is already fulfilled because Jesus is on the throne in heaven over his church. But according to the scripture, he as the son of David will sit on the throne of David, which is an earthly throne ruling on the earth. Uh, the Lord will set up His kingdom. The church is not going to set up the kingdom. He is. The Lord is on the Father's eternal throne, being the Father Himself. That throne had no beginning, but David's throne had a beginning. Acts 15 tells you it will take place when He returns. Psalm 89.34 says, This covenant of David is everlasting and nobody can stop it. Acts 15.14 shows us that the Gentiles would enter first before Israel goes in. To the kingdom age, the Gentiles believe the message and we become the spiritual seed and enjoy the covenant blessings. When he comes back to the earth, the throne of David will be set up. That means there has to be an Israel in their land and they currently are. The contents of the covenant are as follows. 2 Samuel 7, 8-19 through 19. God would build David a house, political kingdom, provide David a throne. The Messiah would come from the family of David and be king. David would have a perpetual throne, perpetual son on that throne. Further revelation shows his son would have two natures. He would be God and man in one person. Psalm 2, 6, 7, and 7. Psalm 1, 10, 1. David's son would have two thrones, a heavenly and an earthly. He would rule in heaven on the throne as the father. And when time would come for him to defeat his enemies, he would return to the earth and set up his earthly throne. 
Psalm 68, 18, Psalm 110. David's son would have a twofold sway to this to his throne, a priestly and a kingly. He would rule over the hearts, over hearts and nations. Psalm 110:4. The kingdom of the son will be set up by a twofold act: his return, judgment on his enemies, governing over Israel and having dominion over the land of promise, and also have universal rule. All right, that's coming out of the response paper. Okay, so do you understand that basically? Okay. All right. So, the promise made to Abraham includes the land, a seed, the land and blessing, national or natural and spiritual. Genesis 12 through 15 gives you the details of it. In Egypt, they became a nation and also an enslaved people. Judgment on Egypt and deliverance of God's people from slavery. So basically we see then this covenant of this dispensation also has a judgment connected to it. And that is when God comes and judges um, Egypt and brings his people out. So that would be the judgment connected to that, to that dispensation called promise, which would take you to the Exodus. But that Abrahamic covenant, this is what you need to understand, is it uh, ultimately would be fulfilled in the renovation of the new heavens and the new earth. So it's far-reaching. The sign of that covenant was circumcision. Now notice this. Not all the covenants have signs to them. The covenant God made with Noah has a sign. It's called a rainbow. All right? The sign that God made with Abraham, Genesis 17, is circumcision. That's the sign of that covenant, that Abrahamic covenant. Now for us, it's a spiritual circumcision of water baptism, Colossians chapter 2. Okay, next dispensation. Dispensation called law is connected to, obviously, the Mosaic covenant. Um, it is conditional because it is subject to the obedience of the person, Deuteronomy 28 and 29. Okay? The covenant that God made with Moses in that law or Torah includes the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the feast, and the Torah itself. Okay? Made with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. After the exodus from Egypt. From Moses until the first coming of Christ in some aspects. I'm, I'm not going to get into detail. Take me too long. Um, Alright, so it's from the time of Moses till the first coming of Christ and the ministry of the early church. Judgment on Jerusalem in the temple, 70 A.D. was where the judgment comes on, on that failure. Okay? Um, the reward is to escape the destruction upon Jerusalem in 70 A.D. for the believers. Matthew 24, 1 through 2, Luke 19, 41 through 44. Ultimately, though, it will end with the restoration of Israel in the new heavens and the new earth. And the sign of that covenant is the sign of the Sabbath day. 
and that commemorate the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt, the Sabbath day, and the giving of the law. Those scriptures connect to the Sabbath day, Deuteronomy 5, 12-15, Romans 2, 12-14, Exodus 31, 12-18, 20, 12, and 20. By the way, most everybody believes that that sign of the Sabbath day was given to Israel and Israel alone, that it was never given to the Gentiles, that we were never commanded by God as Gentiles to keep the Sabbath day. Okay? So read those scriptures and do some study on your own to see if that is, is accurate. Deuteronomy 5, 12 again, Romans 2, 12 through 14, Exodus 31, 12 through 18, um, so on and so forth. Okay? Very interesting. That doesn't mean, though, that we shouldn't rest. <laughs> okay, following the dispensation of law or the Mosaic Covenant, we have the dispensation known as grace. From the descent of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost to the second coming. That's loosely, okay? Now, the difference between this dispensation of grace and the law dispensation is that the law of God is placed in the heart of man, not on tables of stone. Now, when God gave His law to man, uh, it's still binding on us today. The moral law of God is still binding on us today. But it was written on tables of stone and man did not have the power to obey that. In the dispensation of grace, when God fills us with His Spirit, He then writes the law on the tables of our heart, not only telling us what to do, but gives us the power to do it. Because if He's written it on your heart, it's in your heart to do, you will obey it. Okay? So that's the difference and reward for the righteous. All this pointed to the final and eternal arrangement and the eternal judgments and eternal rewards. Okay? So that's why it's difficult sometimes to, to teach and say, okay, this aspect of this particular covenant is still in force today. You know, we're in a new covenant right now. So just so you know, we're in the new covenant right now. As far as the time we're living in. How is God dealing with us right now? What is the arrangement right now? What is God's requirement for man right now? Well, it's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. He, he came, He died on the cross, and He brought in that new covenant. And in that new covenant, we can be born again. That's required of us, that we be born again and live a holy life. Correct? So that's the covenant we're in right now. It's called the New Covenant. It will usher us into the Kingdom Age, the Everlasting Covenant, so on and so forth. Um, but even though we're in the dispensation of grace, it's going to flow into the Kingdom Age, the dispensation of the Kingdom Age, but the covenant, that New Covenant, goes all the way up to the New Heavens and the New Earth. Hope it's not confusing. It sometimes gets confusing for me. So if it is for you, I understand. The point being is that there are spiritual elements, as he says, um, that are in each of those covenants that are ongoing. So it's very difficult to determine what specific um, elements are still in force.
So anyway, again, various arrangements of God dealing with men through time. Each, is a, each has a starting point without being abolished. When another arrangement was ushered in, those arrangements have spiritual and eternal elements in them. Each arrangement was ushered in by some particular judgment on the wicked and reward for the righteous. All, the, all this pointed to the final eternal arrangement and the eternal judgments of the eternal uh, and eternal rewards. But we are dealing with the new covenant right now. That's what we're in. Obviously, some of these are still in force today. Uh, let me see. The Edenic, Edenic covenant is still in force today. Um, be fruitful, multiply, so on and so forth. Have dominion over the earth, so on and so forth. Still in force today. Conscience, we still, um, it still operates within man today. Okay. Human government still in force today. Where God has entrusted man to govern this earth. Abrahamic covenant still in force today. Dealing with the land, the seed, the land, the blessings of the nation of Israel. The law is still in force today in the sense that now the law has been placed on the tables of our heart. The moral law is in effect today, so on and so forth. Okay. Um, grace, obviously, we're under grace. And the new covenant based on Jesus bringing in that new covenant, which is also called the New Testament because Matthew 26, 26 through 28 tells you that with, because it was based in sacrifice. So I'm just trying to show you there are aspects of each of these covenants up to this point that are still working. Okay. Obviously, the future kingdom age, we're in the kingdom of God right now spiritually. But the future kingdom age is when God comes back and sets up his earthly kingdom. So we're definitely not there in time. But I'm just trying to show you that it's not like you, you know, turn a faucet on and then turn it off when you're talking about these dispensations and covenants. So that's why I think it's really important that I read to you what Connor says about these, that there are um, arrangements or in these arrangements that continue there are spiritual and have eternal elements in them. Okay? Very, very important. So, have to be careful when we're dealing with covenants, when we're teaching dispensations, especially dispensationalism. We have to be careful because you can become what's called hyper-dispensationalist, which where you do not see any, any dispensation or very few of them carrying over to the next one. You understand what I'm trying to say? Hyper-dispensationalism is, very, is a very... Um, It'll, it'll mess you up doctrinally. But there are dispensations in the Bible. And I gave you the verses where Paul talked about, use the word dispensation. Okay? Praise the Lord. So hopefully this has been helpful to you. Very challenging. But going back to the original purpose of teaching it to you is that man is on probation. It's called time. And in that time, there's dispensations, periods of time or arrangements with which God... Uh, revealed to man his specific will followed by judgment. Okay? Those dispensations are connected with covenant. And that's th those covenants is how God dealt with man in that particular dispensation. Does that make sense? Okay. Are you clear as to where we are right now? We're in the new covenant or the blood covenant that was set up by Jesus when he died on the cross, rose again, 
poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, so on and so forth. Which is going to bring us into the kingdom age. Okay? Connected to the church dispensation of the grace this this dispensation is this judgment right here called the tribulation period. The bowls of rest, so on and so forth. And then remember, what follows that judgment period, there's another arrangement. It's called the kingdom age that will be set up. So, praise the Lord. Did my best to try to, to show you that time deals with probation. And within that time, God has one plan. But He worked with man throughout history in different ways and different methods to bring us to the place we, we are today. And then ultimately uh, into the kingdom age and the new heavens and the new earth and on into eternity. Alright, so praise the Lord. God is amazing. Lord willing, uh, we will deal with the judgments that are connected to eternity uh, next Sunday morning. So I ask that you pray for me. Now, I was going to give you the um, resources that you can study in detail on the covenants and dispensations, principles of biblical hermeneutics. Principles of biblical, biblical hermeneutics is uh, the name of one. Now, you'll not be able to get this one. It's a, a brief teaching that Brother Dice gave me. And I wasn't in his class when he taught it. But he gave me a brief teaching. It's called The uh, the, Dispens the Ages and the Dispensations by Brother Dice. So he taught them in a Bible college setting. You won't have access to that. But... Uh, then we have Foundations of Christian Doctrine by Kevin Connor, And then the response papers that I read from to you are response papers that I wrote on the course for the Pentateuch. Okay? So that's where a lot of this information is coming from. If you want to go and study on your own, that would be very helpful to you. And I'm forgetting one other. Um, in relationship to these response uh, papers, a series by Malcolm Smith, probably one of the greatest teaching theologians of our day, uh, The Covenants, and that's on audio cassette. You could get those San Antonio, Texas. Uh, probably go on his website and see if they're available. I'm sure they are. He's really big on covenants. Okay, Malcolm Smith. All right, again, Principles of Biblical Hermeneutics by J. Edwin Hartill. J. Edwin Hartill. Um, on the response paper, Dwight Pentecost, Things to Come. This will give you the interpretation of the Abrahamic, Palestinian, Davidic, and New Covenants. Okay? Another book by Pentecost, J.Y. Pentecost, Thy Kingdom Come. Victor Books gives you the kingdom aspect of the covenants, the purpose of the Mosaic Law. Thomas Nelson Publishers, The New Open Bible, Herbert Wolf, An Introduction to the Pentateuch. And then I gave you that one by Malcolm Smith. All right? So those are the resources and the bibliography that I did on, on that first teaching which was the covenants and then from there there 
we went into response on all the first five books of the Bible. So I encourage you to study. I encourage you to study on your own. Some of these things are very challenging. Um, I still have to work with it quite a bit. So join the club. Amen. The main thing is, right now for us, what is required from God to us in our generation, in our time, in our probation, what is God requiring from us? And that is to believe in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in that. Have faith in that for your salvation. And apply that to your life by repentance, death, being buried with Him in baptism, baptism in Jesus' name for the measure of sin, being filled with the Holy Ghost, is applying His resurrection life. Okay? That's how you get born again. That's how you get in the kingdom of God right now. Obviously, you know, even if you look back here in the dispensation with Adam, Noah had more, Noah was wiser than Adam because Adam never saw God destroy anything. So Noah, we're talking about progressive dealings of God. Uh, when the flood came, Noah came out of the ark and he was wiser than Adam because he not only saw God as a creator, but he saw God, a God that destroyed things. So we have the progressive revelation of God to man through these various dispensations and, and covenants, you know. So it's important that we know uh, what is required of us. New birth is required of us based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how we enter into the new covenant uh, with the Lord and living a holy life. That's what we must do in this probationary period of time to prepare uh, and to be saved. And what we do with our time in our life determines our rewards based on works. So, there we go. Please stand.